Hi, this is Emily. And this is Maddie. And this is Spilled the Mead. Spilled the Mead. It's not like a Muppet. The tea is hot. So very hot. So very hot. Welcome to Spill the Mead, a history gossip podcast. We ready to gossip. We're ready to gossip. So this one is going to be the last three parts of the five-part series on the Modoc War. So this the last time we talked about Captain Jack Stronghold, we left it on a nice high note. Mm-hmm. But this story does get pretty rough. Um, yeah, I'm going to ease you into it, though. Um, yep, so like I said, it's going to be three parts. This first part here is probably the meatiest, but definitely, like, the most fluffy. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Because we ended on that high note, so we're going to ride that out for a little bit. Yay! Uh, We're going to meet some new people, like, Mm. talk about the people we already know a little bit, like, set some scenes really well for this whole thing to go. Yeah, so it starts off, you know... Eh, and then it ends a little, uh, but oh, I know no. we're going to get there gradually. So hang, okay. hang with us. It's okay. a it's a really good story. And sometimes really good stories can be very tragic. Okay. Last episode that was also a depressing messy. Yeah. 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 The whole Inez. Yeah. Peter Gosh, thing was rough. Literally so, you know, you guys, you listeners, you're used to Used to it, yeah. You know, you know history. What? Yeah, after these couple episodes, we got another folk tales we for you. Yeah, a nice and fluffy one. Yeah, for that'll you. lighten things up. It will, yeah. And again, this one isn't isn't bad. This one's yeah. good. Okay. So yeah. But yeah, we can get on with the nice part. Part two gets a little stressful, and part three is rough. Like part three is hard. Um, but I I really think that Captain Jack and the entirety of Every Modoc person that's a part of this story, they're all heroes, mm-hmm. and this story definitely needs to be told. It's absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, before we get into it, don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. Um, our Love Letters and History series is out, and people who are already signed up for Patreon, <laughs> please don't turn it off within the first 30 seconds, because it's Hemingway, and oh my he's gosh. so boring. I didn't realize Hemingway, even in just, like, day-to-day <laughs> life, was such a fucking nightmare. We were, like, so stoked. With, like, we set the scene up for it and everything, and we're like, oh my gosh, and he, like, calls, he starts it off by Dearest Pickle, and it seems like it's gonna be a fucking bang and then it's just like 30 more seconds of blah 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 we're like oh my god it's so boring he's literally just like talking her ear off about like going shooting yeah and then he like says like don't worry i'm not gonna bore you with all this talk about shooting and then that's literally the entire letter like it's not it wasn't even a love letter i don't know because the other ones the other ones were (sighs) incredible like they made me laugh they made me cry oh yeah (laughs) there's fucking hemingway (laughs) and then hemingway you know who is an artiste yeah of the written word comes in with just the worst <laughs> love letter I've ever heard. It was literally like slammed back to like sophomore year reading, like farewell to arms. <laughs> like, like, please make it stop. Wow, I hate this so much. I feel like I have to annotate it. I feel like there's yeah. a deeper meaning here yeah. that I'm just like clearly not understanding. We do address it afterwards, but please like just make it through that one part. We're like, oh, wow. We were like nervous that the whole book was going to be like that. No, it's literally just that one. Yeah. Oh, so. the other ones are fantastic. 
fantastic. <laughs> so if you're not on our Patreon, like, oh my gosh, it's please bad. sign up for it's the worker bee tier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we just sent a little gifty to our worker bees. We too. did send so, a little gifty. Yeah, out so to, please, uh, please sign up. Yeah. And yeah, you can get all this fun content because we're gonna do more love letters too for the uh, Valentine's season. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll we'll end it with a banger on Valentine's Day. Yes. All right. Into our story, and I'm going to give you a little recap just to make sure that we've we've really going in here knowing what in the hell is going on. So if we remember the horrible, horrible Ben Wright massacre, um, the white settlers rode in under the white flag of truce, uh, went ham on yeah. these tribes. Yeah. So these there was terrible, awful, yeah. no good, very um, bad people. Yeah. No, yeah. So yeah. broke some trust there. Um, and then they went to the reservation where more trust was broken. I also found through further research, I kind of skimmed over. I was like, oh yeah, and like them and the Klamath didn't always get along. This round of research, it like they were not enemies. Like they were enemies, not cool. Oh, like, okay. Like, yeah. cut and dry, cut and dry. hated each other. Yes. Okay. It, it confused me a little because some people, and I say it in this story too, like, refer to, like, some friends of the Klamath tribe, which makes sense. Like, some people are friends. But, like, as enemies of each other go, like, it's them. Like, they, yeah. But they tried to make it work, but provisions weren't met. It was getting rough. Captain Jack goes and tries to petition for, hey, can you hold up your end of the bargain? He goes three times, and on the third time, he turns around. I found the full quote. It's way better than the one I gave you in the first half, so I'm going to read the whole thing. Okay. He, before he leaves that office, he, like, says this this little warning to them. He says, I am not a dog. I am a man. If I am an Indian, I and my men shall not be slaves for a race of people that is not any better than my people. I shall not live here. If the government refuses to protect my people, who shall I look for to protection? And then he just fucking walked out. Yeah, like, fuck you guys. Like, literally, fuck you guys. So I then, imagine him, like, walking out the door backwards. Yeah. Like, looking them dead in the eye, two middle fingers yeah, in the like, air. Hey, you're going to remember this. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Like, yeah. God. So then he um, took some of his people back to their homelands. It was going relatively well. And then some of the people decided, no, you have to go back to the reservation. More trust broken. Um, the fucking military was called in. Jack refused to leave, um, you know, because we don't trust you. The yeah. trust was broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, the military starts fucking arresting people. Uh, there is that standoff with Scarface Charlie and the lieutenant. Shots fire. War starts. Modoc people head to the stronghold. The army meets them there. The army fucked around and found out. <laughs> um, they made international news, like, all the way to London. And Captain Jack is a folk hero. Mm-hmm. That's where we left it off. Yep. And we'll do a little more recapping when we kind of reintroduce some characters, too. Okay. But now we're going to kind of get into what the stronghold scene looks like right now because it's the weirdest shit. Like, the okay. weirdest dynamic. So... If we go back to that fateful day, um, it's all foggy and scary as shit, and the army goes running, mm-hmm. and they go back to their side. So they're still there. They're not, like, in okay. the storm. Yeah, they're, like, about a couple miles away, you know, back yeah. back to their camp, wondering, like, what just happened. So the army's back on their side, and they're calling in reinforcements, because if we remember, an estimated 1,000 men were needed to dislodge these 50, 55 or so Modoc people yeah. in their stronghold. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're going to come back to that. But there are reporters 
everywhere. Like, there's reporters there. They're camping. They have, like, their tents set up. They're camping with the military. They're, like, staying at nearby ranches. Like, the media do be there. Um, and they're sending dispatches from the battlefield all over the world. And this yeah. is the first, like, Native American war where this happened, you know? So there's photographers there. So there's oh photos of this. Oh, my god. With gosh. their giant bulky-ass cameras, they went. There's two in particular, one named Lewis Heller and one named Edward Moybridge. Okay. I need you to know that this is Edward spelt like it's 2023. It's literally E-A-D... W E A R D. What are you doing? E A D W E A R D. It's Eed Weird. <laughs> Eed Weird. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Like right now. Eed Weird. Eed Weird. Oh. So many EAs. What, what are you happening? doing? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping what were his parents doing to him. I'm hoping it had it's so like uh, my my maiden last name had a weird, like, A-E dynamic, and it was because, mm-hmm. like, when my family moved over, that it had, like, an umlaut over the A oh, or something. So I'm, like, yeah. hoping it's something like that, but, like, <laughs> what's happening here? So, Eed Weird. Yeah, so anyways, uh, Lewis <laughs> and Eed Weird are out here, and they were really important because up until now, the only images of Native Americans that anyone saw was, like, propaganda, you know, like, wow. largely drawings depicting these awful stereotypes you know yeah like these wild it was completely untrue completely untrue and now people are seeing that because these photos are coming out and like here are all of these indigenous people and like they're standing like in their like clothes they got their guns and their hats on like they've got like their braids in and everything but they're people like just like you know like you see these cartoons drawn and stuff so people are like okay no these are people this is helping the humanitarian cause right yeah yeah because again this gets overlooked in history a lot until very recently but like People back then knew that this was wrong. Like, there was a whole ass group of people living in the contemporary time who was like, yeah, I'm not cool with this. Like, this is not chill. And I feel like, you know, I don't think it's not presented that way now. No, you don't like hear about that. Yeah. You don't hear enough about like how bad things even were for the Native Americans. Like, uh, check the last couple episodes where at one point I talk about how my little brother was supposed God. to make a children's book on the Trail of Tears That's in high school. Yeah, like, fucking foul. it's not talked about no. enough, even in that sense. But yeah, even more so, too, that there were people who at least saw that this was wrong, which is, it's good, but... It's like, there wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. No. It was not enough. But they, they tried their best. Yeah. They were there. And it again, it does put it into perspective that there were people back then, like, still kind of fighting for this. Yeah. Being able to step back and be like, this is, like, really fucked, mm-hmm. everyone. Um, but anyways, Edward Moybridge <laughs> worked for the U.S. government to photograph the war. So he was taking a lot of pictures. However, some of his photos, many of his photos were staged. Oh. Um, yeah, so, like, one of his photos or ca- captioned, you know, said, like, oh, like, a brave Modoc warrior, like, and it's a, like, man with a gun and everything, but it actually was 
um, someone from the Warm Springs tribe used, so it was not like a Mohawk uh, uh, Yeah, it's like, I don't know if, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, maybe he didn't want to like cross enemy lines, and there was, it seems yeah. as though the Warm Springs tribe was in the area, you know, like they lived in that area as well. I don't know. It's not great. No. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. We do not love that. However, it was still better than nothing in the sense that, like, people are finally seeing actual photographs, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, yeah. that was still something. And it's making people sympathetic to the MoDoc cause. And, yeah. Like, yeah. And that is, you know, that's If something. you have to, like, glean some positivity from it, then, yeah. like, here it is. Yep. There, there is a small shred of it. Yeah. Um, however, one reporter was brave enough to cross the lines, and he got an interview with Captain Jack himself. <gasps> Ooh. And this was the first... First time the Ben Wright story was told from, you know, the point of view. Uh, because, like I said, Ben Wright was praised as some fucking hero. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely disgusting. And so Captain Jack told the story. And it got, like, <laughs> quite a lot of sympathy. Like, especially God. from uh, newspapers on the East Coast. Like, so, like, the New York Times picked up. And they were like, oh. wow, like, that's pretty fucked up, you know? So, like... They were they were gaining some sympathy. Here. Hell yeah! Yeah, this is good. The, the media was a good thing. Here. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and so because of all of this, there was another call to the president for action. Because if we remember his last call to action and his bullshit peace negotiate or peace treaties, and it wasn't peace. It was just we're still we're dragging you. Yeah. Like, like I don't know what the fuck that was. Um, Grant's like not not a friend of the pod. Um, at all, but he was kind of forced to listen because this got out enough and people were like, what the fuck did Ben Riot massacre? Like, what's going on here? Like the military? Ah. And mm-hmm. so he's like, okay, okay, okay. For real this time, for real, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do real peace negotiations. And it's like, okay, well, we've all heard that before. Yeah. He's like, yeah, no, I know. But like, here's the thing. I don't have time um, yeah, get fucked. But <laughs> so, but I am going to appoint some other people to figure it out. So it, it's going to get figured out. And it's, like, super fucking annoying. But yeah. it actually works in our favor because one of these peace commissioners who Grant summons to get together and fix this whole thing is who else but our boy Meacham. Oh. And he, yeah, if we remember him, we're going to get into, like, a little recap right now. So... He was literally the only good white guy from the first two yep. parts. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to give you just a little bit about him because we do like him. He is friend of the pod. We like him. He Meacham. is, yes. Um, We're he pro Meacham here. Yes, he fights for justice and these human rights um, in this story. But it's not his story. I'm just going to give you a little bit. Sure. Because context. Yeah. Context is fun. So he is the U.S. Superintendent of Indian Affairs for Oregon. Um, Wikipedia, just if you do a quick little search and like the first things that it describes of him, it describes him as a minister, a reformer, an author, and a historian. So, Whoa. yeah, he's got a whole little the labels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He came to Fort Klamath, was not impressed. We remember that. <laughs> yep. And he's very sympathetic to the Modoc people and their cause. When they were forced onto the Klamath reservations, he he went there. He gave them blankets and, like, supplies and stuff to try to help them get by because he knew it was hard for them. He was friends with a lot of them, and we're going to get into some of those friends in a little bit, some new friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to, throughout this story, prove how loyal he is to the MODOK cause. Like, Ooh, friend of the body. Thank God. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of people, let's get into a few more. 
Um, we're gonna go over Captain Jack a little bit more, just to give you a little more context. Cause yeah. like we gotta know these people just a little bit better. As mentioned in the first episode, he was born as Kent Pulash. Um, also pronounced kind of like Kent Pus. It's very different every time I hear it pronounced, so yeah. I'm just gonna call him Captain Jack. But let me tell you, it sounds so fucking cool when <laughs> like people who know. Oh my gosh, it's like so it. cool. Um, it does mean strikes water brashly because he did grow up, like, in the tribe that was along the water. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, he lived along the Thule Lake, and that Ben Wright massacre, yeah, he was there. Um, he was oh. there that day. He watched his father and his other family members be slaughtered in front of him oh. by Ben Wright and his men. My yeah, God. He was there, watched it with his eyes. So I swear to God, this is a fucking yeah. movie. Like, insane. Like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. This is some hero backstory here. No, I know. Some tragic, tragic hero backstory. Oh, God, yeah. We have, like, God, so many, so many people. Like, oh, jeez. So our next guy is Hooker Jim. Remember Hooker Hooker Jim. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's the son-in-law to curly-headed doctor. Okay. Yeah, the medicine man. Um, so after the Battle of the Lost River, where Scarface Charlie, like, squared up and shots were fired, like, the mm-hmm. whole thing that started all of this, um, his band was the one that was attacked out of nowhere. Okay. Right? Yeah. So they went over to Hooker Jim's band and just started going crazy. Like, oh, it's war now, I guess. And they're like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? Uh-huh. Um, so he did not know what was going on. They made for the stronghold, too. And remember, on his way to the stronghold, he did attack about 14 settlers for revenge. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. because what the fuck is going on? Uh-huh. And that's going to come back around to part three. So oh. keep a long, a very long pin in that. Um <sighs> But moving right along now to Sconch and John. Yeah. Yeah, he was the hardest one to find stuff on. Um, oh. I'm not sure of his age, but he's definitely older. Oh, Because okay. remember, his brother was old Sconchin. Right. Who, yes, who signed the treaty. We're going to talk a little bit more about the treaty that he signed. And they're still back um, at the reservation with okay. the Klamath Indians. Yes. Um, also, for what it's worth, uh, Old Sconchin, so Sconchin John's older brother, is like the head head chief of the entire Modoc tribe. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. And so they're back on the reservation. They're like, hey, you know, like, we're, we're staying. Go do you. I yep. don't know. So Old Sconchin is still back on the reservation um, with the Klamath tribe, with, you know, the Modoc people who decided to stay with him. And remember, he was the one who said that he was going to try to kill every white settler that was coming in. But they kept coming and coming. Right, and then he was, like, like, sickened by it. And he's like, yeah, I'm laying down my gun. I'm living in peace. He's very pro-peace now, right? Yes. And when you look at things, it's just worth noting, when you look at things from old Scotland, point of view like um sources i found on him specifically say things like he couldn't control captain jack like he begged him to stay at the reservation but captain jack's like no fuck you i'm going but he did say like you're welcome (laughs) what are we but yeah he did say like you can come back you know now it's kind of sounding like a please come back sort of thing Uh um but, yeah, Sconch and John is his brother. Sconch and John went back with Captain Jack, so here goes his little brother. Um, now, it's rumored that throughout this whole story that we're going to hear that Sconch and John was, more so than any other member of the tribe, was really influential in, like, keeping up the fight in all of this. Like, okay. he was the Ares. 
Like, yeah. he's, he's like, no, we're not backing down. The morale like, is up. We are going forward. Yep, like, I'm sorry, big brother. I know that you are, like, the head chief of everything. But, no, fuck it. I'm going back and I'm fighting for this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um, Stubborn as hell. Yes. And he would end up um, being considered responsible for some of the more intense acts that are committed during this story. And he uh-huh. is reported to repeatedly advising Captain Jack to continuing to fight when Captain Jack doesn't want to. Oh. Like, because if we remember, Captain Jack is that way. He's like, no, let's sit down, let's talk it out. That first battle of Stronghold, mm-hmm. he was like, oh, they're coming to talk. You know, like, yeah. that's what we're doing here. So he wasn't necessarily, and he was living amongst, you know, the settlers. He was, like, in the town of Wairika. He was making it work. He was doing fine. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, if you're going to come at him... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, definitely Sconch and John and Hooker Jim seem to be a little more of the cutthroat, you know, like, no, mm-hmm. let's fuck them up kind of people in yeah. this story. Um, but now we're going to move on to Scarface Charlie. Scarface Charlie is Captain Jack's right-hand man. Like, that is his go-to guy. Um, he's about 22 years old in this story. And he is a warrior and one of the chiefs of the Modoc tribe. Okay. Um, his given name, I'm not even going to try it. I don't want this to, like, sound disrespectful. I have no idea how to approach this, but I want to show it to you, Emily, because look at how, look at how cool that looks. Whoa. Yeah, again, I have no clue. And I couldn't find it. Oh, okay. I could find it, like... the attempt would just be... No, yeah, and again, I don't want it to, like, I don't want to butcher it, you know? Yeah. Um, because Scarface Charlie's a badass. Yes, it's really long. And I could only, like, I heard it said in, like, sentences, like, in the native language. And so I, yeah, I was like, nope, where I'm going to go with Scarface Charlie. Um, But this name, this beautiful looking name, it's, God, it looks so cool. I'll put it in the photos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This really awesome looking name means Wagon Scarface. So... He was run over by a male stage when he was a child, and that's where he got the scar from. No, I hate that. I know, but oh, that's so sad. I know, but he's he's a hard ass now. He's a he's a warrior, and now he looks like a badass he, with that scar. I he bet. does, and yeah. like Scarface Charlie's like a cool ass. The nickname. coolest name. Yeah. So there it's is better than Eid Eed Weird. Eed Weird, which <laughs> is like God. Like no nickname is cool enough to save you from the fact that your name's Eed Weird. Yeah. Absolutely not. Whoops. Um, So there is a story regarding um, Scarface Charlie and Captain Jack protecting a certain judge, a white judge named Judge Steele, um, in the stronghold one night. Um, With that, I was like, oh, protected Judge Steele. Like, who's that? Like, what's Mm -hmm. up with that? And I went down this little rabbit hole. Oh my god, so we're going to take a little detour. This is going to fuck your world up in this story. Like this, I, oh my god. Okay, so we're going to take a detour. It's going to make you mad. It makes me so fucking mad. Oh no. I hate the government. I hate politics. I fucking, I hate it. I hate it. Oh god. So we're going to flash back from where we're at now at the stronghold with the reporters and the army and all of that. We're going to go back 10 years earlier to 1863 where this judge... Judge Elisha Steele was the agent of Indian Affairs of the Northern District of California. <clears throat> and he w- he held this position throughout the 1860s. 
Oh, God. Fuck. Okay. Just, like, my eyes skimming over it. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So while he was in office, he secured a treaty known as the Valentine's Day Treaty. Cute. Um, He secured a treaty. And this treaty... Okay. The Modoc people appealed to the California superintendency to secure an area in their actual ancestral homeland for their own use. Um, because like you mentioned in the first part, Emily, it's like, gosh, like their sacred lands, like very rocky and stuff. Yeah. That's the fucking thing. So it is super, super rocky. White people don't know what the fuck to do with this land, but you know who does? The Modoc people. Yeah. Right? Just, just. Oh my god. Don't do anything. Just just leave them with yeah. their land. My god. Yeah. So Captain Jack is there and he is saying like, I can make a living here. You can't. Give me a six mile square of this rocky terrain. If we remember from the first part, we're talking this area, the Lava Rock National yeah. Monument, is 46,000 acres. He is asking for six miles. Teeny and if you're compared. Yes. 46,000 acres is almost 72 miles. He is asking for six. Yeah. Okay. So this area of land, the six mile area of land, cost about $20,000 back then. Okay. Um, just, just so you know. And the government's like, no, fuck you. Like, we're not, we're not doing that. Like, we're absolutely <laughs> Give you not your going own to. land? Absolutely yeah. not. This tiny, we are going to reduce an entire tribe from 46,000 acres to square. That is a fucking compromise. Like, Jesus, no you guys. Kidding. So when they asked for this more than reasonable, bare minimum thing, Steele, Judge Steele, with the help of interpreters who were a local rancher and then someone that I'm going to introduce last, um, we're going to talk about it, but they negotiated this whole ass peace treaty. Are you ready for this? The treaty said that a reservation in Northern California and their ancestral land would be there Like, for anyone, any of the Modoc people who are like, yep, we're part of the treaty. Like, you will have that land on their land, not on the Klamath Reservation. Like, theirs. Okay, the creator made that land for them. Mm -hmm. The land of burnt out fires. That is their land. In turn, all that the Lost River Modocs had to do was agree to allow safe passage through their territory and maintain peace with the settlers and other neighboring indigenous nations. That's it. That's the fucking treaty. And everyone's like, okay, we're all happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. And signed it. And Judge Steele's like, fuck yeah, this sounds great. And they're like, yep, this sounds great. So the Modoc people are feeling like very secure in this, right? Because like it's on paper. Like this knowledge that they would remain in their homeland under like the California superintendent's like protection. He signed this document as well. This fucking treaty would have stopped this entire story from happening. They could have stayed there. It would have been fine. That fucking land, that $20,000 worth of land that they would not give up would result in this war that would cost about half a million dollars. Oh my God. And so much land, all because just like, no. I don't want to. Oh, you're asking for that? Well, then no. It's a power trip. It's a fucking power trip. It's absolutely fucking ludicrous. But the, so Congress in the Indian office didn't authorize 
steal to enter into this agreement, mm -hmm. right? Because bureaucracy. So Ugh. people in, dis in D.C. find out about this. And, you know, like, local people hear about this, local government people, and they all get mad. And so you can't hold up this this thing. The president doesn't even know steel, even though he, this is his fucking job, and he got it all fucking figured out. Oh, my God. Yeah, so as if that's not bad enough that people are going to pitch a fit over this because just, I don't, I honestly, I was trying to, like, think of, a reason. I don't know why. I don't know why people have to be this way. But as if that wasn't bad enough, the MODOK people were completely unaware of this bureaucratic communication and oh all of these problems. And honestly, I'm fucking unaware of this too because I don't understand this at all. Like, no. that's insane. What is the point of having this guy, like, do a job? And if you're listening to this and you're a government person, don't, I don't want to hear it. Like, if there is, like, a reason. This is not your cue <laughs> to come in and tell me why this and is like, fine. And, like, explain it. No, yeah. I don't want to no, know. This is fucking... I can't. I cannot. So, the Monarch people continued to live in their homeland, um, often visiting, you know, the white towns to trade and seek employment, like I had mentioned in the first part. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the fucking fact that an entire treaty was signed 10 years ago, like in the presence of all of these people, and then people were like, yeah, no thanks, and all of this happens just because you couldn't give them that six miles that they asked for on their native land, and that's it. What are you going to do Christ. with those six miles? What are you going to do with the six guys, miles? Nothing. God. It's just a power trip, you little hall monitors. I, like, fucking can't. Anyways, like, I, that was the tangent on that whole thing, so I was mm -hmm. like, who's Judge Steele? And I'm like, this whole thing yeah, happened? That's insane. Judge Steele is going to keep working tirelessly for peace and justice for the Modoc tribe throughout all of the Modoc wars, though. God. He's a, another friend of the pod. Good, yeah. Because, yeah. like, We've someone got fucking here. has to besides D the Modoc people themselves and yeah. Meacham. Yeah. Yeah, so and these, got this little band of Americans being like, hey, we don't like this. Yeah, <laughs> I know, yeah. Please like, stop, Shouting Grant. into the void. God. Yeah, like, Grant, do something. Like, for real, don't just, like, call something a peace treaty and then still violently rip people away. like that's not what are you doing oh like, yeah and Ulysses just like sitting there with his fingers in his ears like la, 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 yeah la, like what do you hear you yeah like what, what are you doing <laughs> okay anyways there is that back to Scarface Charlie. yeah so that night um that Steele came into Judge Steele came into the MoDOT camp um after like the stronghold you know standoff happened and everything captain jack and scarface charlie kept him safe like protected him because captain jack and scarface charlie are like together like mm -hmm. that loyal friendship um however scarface charlie and the role that he plays in this whole story is he definitely presents as the most willing to fuck shit up <laughs> like he fired the shot that started this whole thing if we remember yeah he was the one that squared up with the lieutenant and uh -huh. said why are you fucking arresting people no like uh -huh. i'm starting this um and captain jack trusted him just endlessly and captain jack did tell people that he was a relative like that scarface charlie was his relative I have seen rumors that Scarface Charlie was from a different tribe entirely. I don't know if that's even true. Huh. And it doesn't, I don't know. I don't think that it matters here. Like, he is gossip the rock people. But gossip. But gossip. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am, and again, to be clear, like, I'm like, oh, I love Scarface Charlie. I love Scotch Don. Like, 
I every Modoc person in this story, like I'm here for it. Uh-huh. And they're all like they have choices to make later on. I understand all of them. Like I just I'm just so here for all of them. But Scarface Charlie is a little unhinged. <laughs> He's a little scary. He's the doer. Who would have thought that Scarface yeah. Charlie of all people was a fucking like a little bit the Sagittarius of the group. <laughs> yeah. Like there he goes. He's off doing it. Like oh, Scarface Charlie again. Yeah, damn it, man. Come yeah. on. Come back like, Scarface. <laughs> Like, literally, in part one and two, I guess, uh, Captain Jack's sitting there like, hey, like, okay, they're coming to talk. Go get them, Charlie. And he goes out there and comes back. He's like, I shot him. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Or tried. I mean, the gun misfired. But, like, listen, it's war. Yeah, I shot at them. Yeah. uh, It's war. Uh, Yeah, and Jack's just like, ah. I don't 100% know what I expected to happen yeah. there, but okay. I'm always like 67% ready when I, when I tell you to do something. For chaos. Yeah. For pure chaos. It's spoiler, a little spoiler alert. Scarface Charlie's going to have his victory moment in part two. So that's a happy thing to look forward to in part okay. two. Um, now what we're... Shaq and Asti Jim. We're going to just come back to this. Yes! Oh, my gosh. Shaq so, Nasty! Yes, I know where Shaq Nasty came from now. Yes. So, Shaq Nasty Jim is also about 22 years old in all of this, and he was the one whose wife had the baby right. during the first battle of... Okay, yeah, and, like, you know, the name Shaq Nasty Jim is, like, the most badass name, but the real badass name, the real badass person here is his wife. Oh, God, Who made their numbers. (laughs) Let's not forget, my favorite fucking thing in the world is that their losses (laughs) were negative, negative one losses because they gained a fucking person like, during this That is battle. amazing. Yeah. And, like, that baby was born a little warrior. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, you were. Like, uh-huh. welcome to it, my guy. Like, you're a warrior now. Like, oh, you, my gosh. You don't have to prove yourself any further. Your mom's a badass. Yeah. Your dad's a badass. Like, I can't. So Welcome to the world. Yep. And so, like, that's a little baby Shaq Nasty. He got a brand new baby. Brand new. Like, oh. just like a baby. Yeah, baby, baby Shaq Nasty. Baby Shaq Nasty. Shaq Nasty Jimmy over here. Oh, my gosh. So where Shaq Nasty came from is it was, they call it a corruption of a Modoc phrase. So just, like, a misinterpretation pretty much. Okay. But it's a corrupted form of the phrase meaning left-handed man. So all my fellow left-handed people yeah, out Maddie. there were a little Shaq Nasty, maybe. Raise your left hands if you love a left hand. Shaq Nasties. <laughs> all my Shaq Nasties out there. Gosh. And, like, I wanted to come back to him just because I found where that name came from, and it's so cool. And he is here through this whole thing, and he's going to make some choices later that we're going to talk about. And we're not going to, like I said, people make a lot of, people make a lot of different choices. Yeah, every time you story. say that, I'm like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like and they're making choices. I'm never it's gonna judge their choices, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. You're okay. gonna find out in like part two or three, Ooh. somewhere in the second half of this. Okay. So here is our last character we're going to introduce, and her name is Toby Riddle. What? Toby is, is so with these names. Like, Toby's so cute. That's such a cute name. Toby and Toby Riddle. Mm-hmm. She's gonna get like. Uh, way later on in the story, she's gonna get like a nickname too, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to it. But oh Toby Riddle, so she is Captain Jack's cousin. Okay, and she is a Modoc woman around thirty years old when all this takes place, and she is a little rebellious. Like 
getting into the gossip of her life a little bit. Um, she rebelled against her family's wishes when she did not marry a Modoc man. Whoa. Um, not the Modoc man her family picked for her, not another Modoc man. She married a white guy from Kentucky. Whoa. Yep, who came west to make a better life for himself named Frank Riddle. And so, I, okay, I don't really know what I was expecting when you told me that her last name was... I, I feel like I should have seen that one coming, that she well, would, I married mean, a white man. I don't know, like, Scarface Charlie. Jack Nasty Jim. Yeah, Jim, like, where'd Jim come from? Like, where Captain Jack, you know, like, they just yeah, call him Jack. Jack's like, cool. yeah. Yeah, so... Lots of James is up in here. Yeah, like, it could have... Toby Riddle sounds so cool, so oh I get why you gosh. think it could have been, like... One of these cool nicknames, I guess. Yeah, no, I, that's I almost, just her fucking name. Oh, I like, feel like I'm being like, where's Ashton Kutcher? Like, am I being punked yeah, with these names? No. Like, are you just making these names up? Because so how are they so fantastic? They're so fantastic. Mm-hmm. And when I post the pictures of all these people, like, they're so that, like that. Oh gosh, it, she's so, such a Toby Riddle. It's so great. Oh. Um. So she, she marries Frank from Kentucky, who came west. And her family is just very Frank. mad at her for this. Yeah, Frank. Like, oh, like, I'm just Toby Riddle. And you know that she's, like, gorgeous. Oh, she is, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, what a fucking badass. And then, it's like, her cousin is Captain Jack. Are you yeah. kidding? Yeah. And then, like, oh, and there's Frank. And there's Frank, yeah. <laughs> Frank, you know, Frank's rocking with us. We're rocking with Frank. The hanky-panky <laughs> with the Frank Frank. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, gosh. That her family was, like, God, same eye roller. And they, like, estranged her for a while. Did I say that right? She was estranged from them for a while. Estranged her? That's weird. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it estranged her from her family for a while. Um, But not for long because Frank was like, no, I I want your family's approval. I want your father's approval. Like, I want us all to live together. Frank's a friend of the pod. Okay, I knew. I knew that, like... (laughs) Frank's rocking with us. <laughs> Frank's rocking with us here. With He's rocking with the best. Yeah. So he wanted to meet every obligation that a Modoc room would have to make. And he did. He went through everything he had to. The respect um, oh, for yeah. her culture. Uh, it's just... Oh, yeah. And it worked. Um, at the very end of it all, he exchanged... He gave her family, like, a whole bunch of horses. And they gave him gifts, which, like, sealed the deal. Yay! And Frank and Toby Riddle settled close to her family in the Lost Riddle river area so they're all kind of living there together yeah and um when i said that meacham used interpreters to secure you know like different like negotiations and stuff it was toby and frank oh my gosh yeah a little team huge i love them happy valentine's day in a couple weeks you guys toby and frank forever toby and frank forever Uh like Like, put that on a shirt i'm even more toby and frank than i am i think even peter and aness right yeah oh man i did kind of look i was like oh i wonder if i could do an entire story on this and i don't know i think i kind of just gave it all to you right there but we are going to talk there is at least yeah out there but that's i don't know maybe maybe like i'll give everyone a break yeah like you're all sitting through five episodes of this so i'll take a break from the modoc wars for like a year or two and then circle back to toby good and some of the other there was a few other names mentioned that i didn't have time to put in here where i'm like "Mm, what's up with you yeah okay okay and those are the people yeah we're we're moving off of people we're getting back to the scene so all of these people are at the stronghold right now and 
Captain Jack is still, he hasn't given up. He's still trying to negotiate for the six fucking miles of land. Like, he, that's all that he is asking for. The, the government's... The bare fucking minimum. Yeah, it's like... like uh, the fact that he has to beg for no, his own land. I know, no, I know. Can we go back to the solicitor thing? And it's like, you're literally like, can I have the linen closet? I'm literally asking for a linen yeah, closet. For my you, whole family to yeah, live in. You don't have linens. Like, can yeah. can my whole family Please. live in the linen closet? Yeah. I have linens. I could use the linen closet. Yeah. And they're like, mm, no. no. Yeah, no, absolutely not. God, fuck that. It's, uh, no, I know. It's fucking infuriating. Oh <laughs> so while this whole thing is going on, Captain Jack's in there. He's like, I just, like... Fucking owned you guys in this last battle. Just give me the six miles. Like, we're not stopping yeah. here. Like, we already signed a treaty. All you have to do is look at the treaty and say, yeah, looks good. Like, that's literally it. Like, yeah. fucking come on. Ah, God, sorry. Okay. I'm setting the scene now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> so, this is so strange because everything going on at the scene right now is at this weird standstill that would never ever happen today that we can't even fathom because information is so like quick now yeah but if you really think about the process we are on the west coast and information has to get back to dc so i mean like something happens and then you have to sit there and you have to write the fucking letter in camp you have to send it it has to travel there it gets there, then people are like, oh, fuck, this whole incident at the stronghold happened. Then they have to have all these means, take all of these steps to figure out what they're going to do and ratify, blah, blah, and blah, bureaucracy. And then five years later. <laughs> then they have to send the message oh back. Oh, my God. Like, Christ, it's just Welcome taking to, forever. Yeah, snail mail. This yeah, seriously. Mail. Yeah, our our patrons are feeling it right now because we snail mailed them their little gift. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, like, waiting to hear from someone. Like, did you get it? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So... Because of this whole thing, we're getting this really interesting dynamic that I have never seen before. Like, we, Emily and I, as you know, like, we're not here to give you politics and things like that. But I'm kind of like, after, like, the Kamehameha one and this one, I think there's one other one that I did. I kind of like a little battle story, you yeah. know? Like, oh, yeah. I there, don't mind it. There's, there's certain situations yeah. where I'm down. Again, I don't want to get into all the politics behind no. it because I'm just going to yell at you like I just did over that whole <laughs> fucking ridiculous thing. But, like, I'm, I don't know. I like a battle sometimes. Oh, yeah. And so I look into a lot of battles. I've never seen anything like this. It's crazy. So the weather eases up. And springtime is now here because this is taking months, months. So the first battle happened January 17th. The next one, yes, there's going to be another one, spoiler alert, is going to be in April. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So much. Wow. So wow. everyone's just sitting there looking at each other with a thumb in their ass, like, yeah. what, do, what do we do, you know? Meanwhile, local people are, like, way overcharging the army for supplies and stuff, and, like, the <laughs> army's all fucking stuck here. Remember, they didn't bring anything with them, because this was supposed to take so half a day. Fast. It's yeah. It's gonna be so easy. And now it's, like, fucking April. <laughs> like, how, how weird. Um, and so the Modoc people kind of start wandering in and out of the lava fields, in and out of the strongholds, um, because if we remember, again, crazy dynamic, Fort Klamath was right there, right? Yeah. And so, like, the soldiers from Fort Klamath are here. Like, they know each other. So, like, 
a lot of the Modoc people and these soldiers are like pals. It's this weird oh irony. Oh my god, yeah. And so Modoc people would be walking into the military camp be like, hey, so like any updates? Anyone get any mail here or anything? Like, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? Oh. Are they going to listen to oh. us? Are they going to not? It's literally the, it's so weird. That is bizarre. Like, and then it'd be like, nope, guess we're still fighting. Okay, like humans, man. I yeah. <laughs> but um, some other uh, Modoc people are going over to visit Klamath friends because like I said, they are an enemy tribe, but you know, Things happen. Look at look at Toby and Frank. So yeah, they you know they're kind of yeah. going over to like visit Clamp, then they go back to the stronghold. This is like the most relaxed thing going on. Which, again, it's just such a shame because like God, in hindsight, when we're all sitting here right now, in hindsight, it's like this had so much goddamn potential to oh work. Gosh, like yeah. such a large number of people have to suck so badly that aren't even here right now because like. They're literally just kind of, like, coming over and shooting the shit with each other and going back. Like, it could have fucking worked on so many oh levels, Oh, my gosh. You know? I'm, yeah, I'm ready to, like, pick me girl stand in the middle of them and be like, Brian, Brian, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> Can't we just all be friends? Brian. <laughs> I am, like, no, for real. Like, people, they literally could have lived side by side and learned from each other and like it yeah. could have it could have god fuck it like so cute god uh, can't but... we all just be friends and make cupcakes yes <laughs> please oh god but no together. we can't this is a war story so <sighs> orders did come and this strange fluid super relaxed vibe was going to leave and never come back uh... Okay. Yeah. So negotiations are still going on, still trying for that six acres. Yeah. But I mean, the army's God. still. Yeah, I can't. Every time you say six acres, like two hands, it fucking two hands is what we're talking Wait, about. Wait, six here. acres or six? Six miles. Oh, six, six miles. miles. Six oh. square miles. Shit. Still. So sorry. Six miles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still negotiating for that. But like the army still has to army. So they're going to, ugh, don't want to throw people for a loop here. We're going to keep our super badass original flanking plan from part one, where the army is just going to split in half and flank the proton people and press inward the exact okay. same thing that happened. It's yeah. Okay. God, yeah. Works well the first time, so I get it. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's so well. <laughs> it's fucking hell. Um. But the army does start moving closer and closer to the stronghold in the slinking position, putting a lot of pressure on the Modoc people and kind of sending the message that, like, God, the government's not letting up. Like, they're not, they're not letting up. We're pressing mm-hmm. in. Still, the Modocs and Captain Jack are trying to negotiate, and his people are still hopeful. We're like, no, we've negotiated in the past. We can work this out. Because if you also remember in... Like, one of the first things that I said about the Modoc people in part one was they ended up with this really fierce reputation, but they weren't fierce people. They were very Not optimistic. Not by nature. It's, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where, like, okay, like, I guess if we have to, yeah, well, and but I we mean, rather not. This story also makes them, I mean, you just owned the fucking army's face, but, like, <laughs> yeah. really, they, I mean, they have very little people. Like, they just were smarter than you. You know, yeah. like, they had to be. They were outnumbered, and they knew it, and they were just so much fucking smarter than you. Yeah. Like, yeah, God. They um, knew how, yeah, they were playing chess, not checkers. Exactly. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're going to hold off, and they're going to listen to us. Like, Meacham listens to us. Judge Steele listens to us. There's people here, like. Well, and like we said in the last part about this is, like, it's also very different when the motivations 
behind mm-hmm. each of these groups are very different. The soldiers are just, like, doing their soldier shit. Yeah. And the Modoc people are fighting for their sacred land. Yes. And trying so hard to not let it come to that. Mm-hmm. Because, again, let it be known, the army is pressing closer and closer, closer and closer to that red tulie rope, getting closer and closer. And they're like, oh, we're not going to attack. We're, like, we're just going to wait until we hear from the government. Like, we're so yeah. sure that this is going to work out, you know? Like, we're holding, we're holding down the mm-hmm. fort here. So, some shit happens because tension's building, like way too much. You know, it's within been way this too small long. Space. Yeah, it's been too small. It's this small space. Tension builds. Some soldiers end up capturing a group of Modoc horses. Now, in his Not yeah, the horses. I know they just like take a whole bunch, like steal a whole bunch of their horses. In his diary, to put this into perspective, in his diary, Meacham says that next to their children, the Modoc people love their horses. Like, it is, like, a family yeah. member. Which, like, if you have a pet, like, you can relate. But, like, oh, not the horses. having a horse is almost different than, like, just a pet, though, you know? Like, that's your transportation. Like, that's... you're hunting with them. You're going to battle oh, with okay. them. Like, like, the way that so many people feel about their cars nowadays mm-hmm. Now make that car a living being. A living, yeah, combine. Imagine, yeah, like, like your heads. dog and your car together. Yeah. Like, oh my and gosh. Like, and of course that's going to be like, I've like so important to you. thought about this before too. I hate thinking about this because like I love animals, but like war horses, man, like they trust you so much that oh they're like, God. yep, I'm going to ride right into this with you because like I'm with you kind of thing, you know, like you don't just steal their horses like yeah. and think that nothing's going to happen. Uh-huh. So they were like, oh, okay, well, I mean, we're going to need the horses back. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, again, we're being peaceful. Like you're pushing in and we're holding out. Give us the horses back, you know. So, Captain Jack's like, yep, definitely do need those back. So, Lizzie, my wife, um, sister Mary, come here. You guys and Scarface Charlie are going to go over to the army and get our horses back. Just say, like, hey, I don't know if this was a misunderstanding. I don't know. If you stole them to be assholes, like, give them back. Was this some, like, drunken prank? Yeah, like, what what are we doing? Um, We were, like, just over there, like, talking to you guys. You, like, walked horses right past it. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that happened. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah, but, like. Like, Theoretically. I, I wasn't there. Um, so they go and they head over to the camp. And the army's like, no, we're not giving you your horses back. And they're like, okay, but, like, they're ours. Like, come on. Like, don't, <laughs> like, don't do this. Like, yeah. And Scarface Charlie's kind of standing back. And, like, you know, the ladies go up and trying to handle it. The army takes their bayonets and puts them into their backs and pushes these two unarmed women out of the corral and Meacham will later write in his diary that this act was, like, the absolute beginning of the end of the Peace Commission. Scarface Charlie's standing there like, you're not even, like, gonna... Again, we can't even negotiate this. You're just going to put your fucking bayonets into their back and push them out? Like, yeah. Okay. Like, I, what are we Ew. doing? Oh, fuck them up. So they go back. Captain Jack's wife and sister and his right-hand man go back and tell them what happened. And they're all sitting there. Because Ball's kind of in their court, you know? Like, it has been. They're pressing in. They just stole their horses. They threatened you, pretty much, you know? Like, with their lives, with a fucking bayonet to the back. What are we going to do? 
So they are all sitting there figuring how they are going to respond to this blatant fucking disrespect that just happened, stealing horses in the first place. Yeah. And then the unnecessary force used when, like, trying to work it out. Mm -hmm. So Captain Jack, Scotch and John, Hooker Jim, they're all arguing over what to do. So I just need everyone to just stop what you're doing and tune into this fact right here right now because if there is one thing that is so true to this entire story and something we need to remember through these last three parts captain jack wanted peace the whole time he did not want this no and he is sitting with everyone right now and he's like no we've made it this far they're trying to scare us let's we have to wait like we have to wait it never changes his opinion on this never changes. He wants to see the negotiation go through. Mm-hmm. Like, that is what he wants. He's going to negotiate this out. That's what old Sconchin did, is he made that treaty, you know, like back mm-hmm. in the day and made peace with it. That's what he's trying to do now. He's like, we fought, we made our point. Like, let's let's wait it out, you know? Um, the other people there in charge literally start bullying him calling him like names pretty much call him a pussy and uh, yeah hooker jim and his band seemed like especially harsh about this they were like out for fucking blood they're tired of fucking around it's time to find out and i get it you know like my god you've been lit down so many times yeah like it's i fucking get it and You're again really frustrated yes and again going forward i completely understand every decision made by every single person individually in the story they're all going to make choices mm-hmm. and i just want to make that so clear you don't know what you'll fucking do to save your family in a situation like this yep everyone's making different choices it gets crazy but the way that the tribe dynamic works is when you're the leader you rep your people no matter what like your say literally doesn't matter if your people aren't with you it is absolutely the majority rules and when the majority rules you adopt that and you fucking fight for that that is how it works yeah i mean that's fair yeah i feel that that makes sense and captain jack was kind of backed into a corner he was vastly outvoted the modoc people voted against (sighs) peace and with that fact settled they decide what they're going to do next uh, the Modoc people decide that they're going to call a little meeting between themselves and the commanders of the army. Because, like, they just want to talk. Uh, and that's where we're going to leave. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are they about to, like, uh, oh, how the turntables? Like, oh, yeah. you know, we're coming peaceful. White flag. Oh, gosh, yeah, right. Like, uh, this was the fluffy part. <laughs> so. Oh, woof. Yeah, it oh, gets real. No. It gets crazy. Okay. It's crazy. Oh, so, the anxiety. Yeah, it gets gradually worse. And so, okay. it's kind of like Lord of the Rings, except it doesn't have the ending that you want. Because, I mean, we all know the ending. You know, we know the plight here. We know how the it is. The overall, yeah. Like, but, like, this oh. was like the, oh, we're leaving the Shire. We're, like, walking a lot. Like, you know, we're, we're strolling into it a little bit. And, like, the next one's going to be pretty too towersy. Uh-oh. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to I'm going to use the whole fresh cup to mentally prepare myself. Yeah, I know Emily has to listen to part 2 episode. right now. So. Yeah. So I'm I'm in this. Yep. I'm 
I'm going to mentally prepare. Hashtag pray for Emily in 2023. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this episode, I was a little bit more quiet than usual because I was making a lot of facial expressions at Maddie. You were, yeah. Yeah, it was all facial expressions this time. I I don't know why, but there was a lot like, in in my brain, it was just like the rainbow wheel from... Your yeah. laptop, you know, <laughs> yeah. from a Mac laptop. Just, like, like the whole time, pass. like, processing. Yes, I know. <laughs> All I, of this. That was a lot. Like I said, that was definitely the meatiest. Like, yeah. the rest of it will be a lot more storytelling. Not so much, like, this person did this and this person did that. So, thank you for hanging no. in there. That was me. still really, wow. Like, uh, it, there's a lot of buildup to the anxiety. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into this fresh cup so that I can hear part two because I don't have the patience to wait. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Time for a fresh cup. And this one is a little short one from Aunt subreddit. Am I the asshole? Mm-hmm. Okay. My boyfriend and I go to the climbing gym regularly. He is really into it, and I just started and climbing a few times a week. He's stupidly competitive about it and quietly insults beginners who are not as good, which makes me feel self-conscious because I'm a beginner. Yeah, I okay, hate that. Okay, my competitive ass could fucking never. I hate when people are, like, That's sore winners. Oh, I know. I don't know what's worse, honestly. The, I don't, a sore a winner, sore loser. Sore loser. Yeah. yeah. I, my, I might think a sore winner is worse. I think a sore winner is worse because yeah. it's, like... Really, you're going to be a dick even at, like, your high here? Like, you won. Yeah, like, be humble. Yeah, exactly. How hard is it to be humble? But, like, there's going to be disappointing feelings when you lose something. Yeah. Still hate a sore loser, like, so much. But, yeah, I think a sore winner is worse. Last night, we were out at the climbing gym again, and he was doing a V6. I Googled this right before I read this because I I don't know what that is. Yeah, I have Um, It's when you're climbing, it's like an intermediate kind of grade, climbing grade. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's not beginner, it's not advanced, but it's intermediate. It's closer to advanced, though. There were about six people taking turns on the problem. I'm assuming, like, the wall. Probably because it's a newly installed route and they were all failing. Then a girl came and flashed it. I'm assuming that means she went really fast. Ooh, okay. She made it so easy, but at the end, she didn't hold the final hold for five seconds, and my boyfriend called her out after she was done. Oh, my God. I hate (laughs) this guy. (laughs) Holding the last hold for five seconds is supposed to be the, quote, right way of finishing a route, but she was doing it so easily, she definitely could have. I think he was just being salty because she did it when he couldn't. She laughed and told him if he didn't even start the problem correctly, and told him he didn't even start the problem correctly and walked off. I gave her a high five because she was walking <laughs> towards me and did amazing at the problem and knocked my boyfriend off his high horse and she was surprised but high fived me. My boyfriend turned to me and gave me a what the fuck look and wouldn't talk to me for the rest of the night. When we were headed home, he ranted that I couldn't be trusted to watch his back if I chose to take a stranger's side over him. Oh, man. I was shocked that that's what he took from the climb and told him she should that he shouldn't have nitpicked her when she clearly climbed it correctly and he got mad and argued I was supposed to take a side over people I don't even know. Okay, that's the end of that. I... <laughs> God. Okay, yeah, your your spouse should, like, support you. Maybe high-fiving 
wasn't the best way to go about it. But, like, I do think that your significant other should also keep you in check and, like, call you out when you're being a fucking dick. Yeah, and there's no way that she hasn't tried to tell him that he's this way before. Yeah. And you don't listen. Uh Uh-huh. And also, like, she was new at it and, like... And you're gonna you're talk shit on, on people, people who are... Yeah, like, that's so he weird. He just sounds so deeply insecure oh, yeah, in the worst of ways. Never. I couldn't spend, like, five minutes with this guy. Yeah. Like, ew. Good for you on sticking around for that long, and but he, like, better for you to her. go. Yeah. I'm just gonna ignore you. Like, you're gonna pick a stranger <laughs> side. It's like, I mean, I shouldn't have to. Um, my personal opinion... She should go date that climber. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> I give up on them. I, th- I think they'd be a better. I'm couple. like I'm trying to think. I was like, okay, no, like what would I do? Would I high five? I God, I my husband would never. Exactly, Just my husband's never, never a dick I like that. I literally can't put myself in that. I don't no. know. I I don't know. I can't. Someone that I'm with because I'm like, oh, it's her boyfriend though. Because I'm like, no, I would have high fived him too. Like, yeah, oh, fuck you. You're mean. You're a mean person, but. I have loyalty, though, and you should be loyal, but not when you're an asshole. Yeah. I don't know. Like, no one likes you. reality check a little bit, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The comments, not the asshole. Your boyfriend sounds exhausting to be around. He does. (laughs) Yeah. Not the asshole. If your boyfriend doesn't like being called out on being a petty, sore loser, he should stop being a petty, sore loser. (laughs) Yeah. That's, yeah. Easy to do. Costs no money to not be... Yeah, it costs zero dollars and zero cents to be a decent person. Okay, not the asshole. I've been climbing for many years, and your boyfriend's attitude is the antithesis of most climbing gym communities. Climbing is a personal competition, not an outwards one. He should be focused on how to improve his own technique, strength, and mental game, and be inspired by climbers who he can learn from, not critiquing them to make himself feel better. It's normal to cheer someone else on who has competed a hard send, V10, V6, or V0. Their success says nothing about the different journey you're on. He's insulting of begin- his insulting of beginners is toxic and speaks to his own insecurities. While his attitude towards the V6 climber is bad, this particular pattern of behavior is a worse red flag. Oh, yeah. It is. And, like, even the girl, like, she laughed. She's like, what? You know, like, uh-huh. she, she didn't even, like, come out and back. Like, you miserable person. And yeah. Just, like, oh. walked off. And that's, like, the worst insult, right? Yeah. Like, even like, worse than the high five is, like, the, <laughs> like, yeah. you're not You didn't time. start it right. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take <laughs> okay. advice from someone that didn't start it right yeah. and couldn't do it. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the person says, also, the rule is a controlled two seconds matched on a final hold, not five seconds. So, the boyfriend was wrong, and he just, his girlfriend's a beginner, so she doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to climbing. If your boyfriend continues to be weird like this, know there are many other non-nitpicky and humble, strong climbers to get to know. Aw. This sounds like a great community other than this guy. Yeah, that guy's just the fucking worst. There isn't even much to elaborate. That is, like, a short one. It's, like, very, just, he's insecure and He's the asshole, and you should leave him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As always, break up. (laughs) 
uh, yeah, break up with that. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it. You're, no. You're a more patient woman than I. Oh, God. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, that's that's pretty inexcusable. I, yeah, that's, have yourself um, the best Valentine's Day of your life and spend it without him. Yeah, please, go find a nice climber. Yeah. Yeah, builds people up. Exactly. Like, what's wrong with people? Jesus, God. <laughs> okay, well, <sighs> we will see you for part two, technically part four, kind of. Yeah. Of the Modoc Wars. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. That's not right. Um, <laughs> like, what's the fucking word? You know, like in the newspaper. Is it a caption? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, God, that Yeah, the like, caption of the... Okay, that sounds I, so Instagram. Immediately, i Yeah, I also thought, like, like closed captions, like... Yeah, right, yeah, yeah God. It, so. But no, it's the, it's the caption. It's the description or whatever. Yeah, yes. the caption. Yeah, the yeah. caption. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, photo. Yeah, yeah. Um,